Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com and let us know what he's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary, the loner, in families. He's a family man. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Then Psalms 92, verse 12 through 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit even in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Notice those descriptive adjectives. Planted or connected. Flourish, grow, bear fruit, stay fresh. Some of you need to smile. You need a freshen up, really. We're looking at the law of connection this morning. Most laws or principles in the Bible don't announce themselves as a law. You won't come to a verse in your Bible and find a subheading that says, Stop here for a moment. This is a spiritual law called sowing and reaping. Spiritual laws are all over the Bible. And it takes a little bit of insight and discernment to be able to discover a spiritual law in God's Word. In fact, a lot of times we discover some of them by breaking them. And we do it by mistake. So understand that our lives are governed and influenced to a great measure by these laws that we need to learn to understand and apply. Now, the Bible declares that God is a God of order, not confusion. So if you're sitting here saying, I'm so confused, all right, God's, God didn't do that. Uh, if there's total anarchy and confusion in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, total chaos and confusion, it's out of order. God's a God of order. He's structured. He's not a God of confusion. So God sets laws in motion, natural laws, spiritual laws, in order to bring order, blessing, and favor. And when those laws are established, certain things will always happen. For example, if you live here in San Antonio, Texas in the summer, it's always going to be hot. You never have to cut on your heater, ever. If you go to Alaska in December, don't take shorts, flip-flops, and a Hawaii shirt. It's going to be freezing cold. It always is going to be cold in Alaska. And whether you like it or not, it won't change the weather pattern. Well, so laws, not principles, laws don't need my approval. They don't even need my belief for them to operate. They don't need my permission. They don't need my blessing. They don't need my agreement. Whether I like it or not, whether I'm asleep or awake or not, that law will not change or be altered 24-7. It's working. 
So if you're a smart person, you want to understand laws and principles and how to harness them to your advantage. Some laws that govern our lives are natural. Some are spiritual. Let's take the law of gravity. Most of you would know that's a natural law. Whatever you release from your hand is going to fall down on planet Earth. If an American picks up something and releases it, it's going to fall down. If a Republican, a Democrat, a Hispanic, African American, an Italian, it doesn't matter who you are or what part of the Earth you are on, if you drop something, that sucker's going down, right? A law does not care who you are or where you are. If you drop something by the law of gravity, it's going down. So that law will work for everybody, everywhere, anytime, all the time. Okay, so what's the difference in a natural law, which I don't have to understand or agree with for it to work, and a spiritual law or a principle? Well, that needs my understanding, wisdom, and activation. A principle needs me to understand and agree with it for it to work. For example, he that has many friends, Proverbs says, must show himself friendly. If I don't know that, I may never have any friends. If I don't do that, what? Show yourself friendly, I won't have any friends. So I have to know the principle and I have to activate the principle or it doesn't work. Gravity works whether I agree with it or not. If I run up on top of this building and said, I don't believe in gravity and jump, I'm still going down, right? So spiritual laws, principles, require my knowledge and agreement with them in order for them to be activated. Give and you shall receive. Meaning if you don't know that, it ain't never going to work. If you don't do that, it's never going to work. It's a principle. And God set it there to bring order in our marriages, our health, our finances, our relationships, our jobs, career, ministry, and church. They're there for your advantage not to hurt you, not to, not to, not to hold you back, not to put you down. God, God give these so you've got order in your life. Things run reasonably smooth. So life is kind to people who understand and live in harmony and agreement with the laws of God and the principles of God. But life is going to be real hard and real cruel to those who work against them. That's why Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, With all your getting, get understanding. So what is the law of connection? <clears throat> Everything that works is connected. TV cameras in here are working because they are connected. The chairs you're sitting in this morning are holding you up because the screws and bolts are connected. If we remove them, your seat will fall apart. Now, you don't see a cord on me, but my microphone is cordless. However, it's working because it's connected electronically through waves that are going through the air back to a sound booth. And when that connection breaks on anything, we say it's broken. The same way people are broken, marriages are broken because their connections are broken. Whenever something won't function like it should, we call it dysfunction. We have dysfunctional people. Lots of them go to church. So dysfunction means there's been a disconnection. 
God never intended for anybody, anybody to live alone. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He's a family man. He, the only two institutions God ever ordained was the natural family in the Garden of Eden and the spiritual family in the New Testament, the church. They're both families. They both have order. They both have, have a, a chain of command. And God ordained those two, first the natural, then the spiritual. So he sets the solitary in families. Nobody in this room or watching by live stream is a self-made man or woman. That's junk. You are who you are, where you are, and what you are today because of certain connections, good or bad, right or wrong, that you have made. And that has placed you where you are today. The Bible says those who are planted, connected in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. Now that sounds a whole lot better than survival, doesn't it? I want to flourish. I don't want, how you doing, brother? Well, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Well, I'm surviving. No, God wants you to thrive. God wants you to flourish. It's not his will. Something's out of order. If your life is always a mess, always confusion, and always wilting, and always hanging in there, surviving, I'm doing okay. Okay is like kissing your sister. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. That sucks. That's terrible. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to flourish. Now, a lot of you are in summit today. You're not satisfied with just attending. At some point, you decided to be part of this spiritual family. Or maybe you're visiting from another church or something, and if God puts you there, same thing goes for you. At some point, you decided to become connected and belong to that spiritual family. And whether you knew it or not, you engaged in a spiritual connection. Now, there are certain things that were not available to you before you connected that are now available to you. For example, you can live next door to somebody who is not a citizen of this country, and their house can cost the same as yours, look exactly the same as yours, but you don't have the same rights and privileges. There are certain things your neighbor doesn't have access to that you as a citizen do. That, that wouldn't be too hard, right? I mean, you get that? Well, sure, sure. Uh, wh why would that be true? Because you're connected to this country in a way your neighbor is not. God sets the solitary in families. And that word families in the Hebrew means shelter. So the place of your connection where God puts you is a place of your shelter your protection. It's a place you are to flourish, to be productive. God had it all planned. I've got the right place for you. And when you get there in that place, here's what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shelter you. You're going to flourish. You're going to be fresh. Life's good, even in old age. And we're all going to get old if we don't die young, right? One of my brothers down here just told me he's 90, and I thought, you're still fresh, you're still flourishing, you're still in the house of God, and life's going to be good. It's still good, and I, I love that. Let's go back to when you were born. When an egg is fertilized, it immediately begins to attach itself to the wall of the uterus. Don't worry, this is not a medical seminar. All right. 
If that egg does not get connected successfully, it will miscarriage, and the potential of that life is forever lost. If it successfully connects, attaches, it starts to grow. And as it becomes a fetus, the connection changes, and the baby's now connected to the mother by the umbilical cord. And that connection is vital to the survival of the baby. Am I doing okay so far, moms? P pretty much so. All right. At the end of nine months, the baby's born, and the doctor severs the connection of the umbilical cord. Now, some of you might say, well, looks like no more connections. But watch. When the cord is separated, you simply start a different connection. That baby is put generally to mother's breast. And from that moment on, your life and mine is a perpetual series of one connection and disconnection after the other. So that when you disconnect from something correctly, righteously, you've got to connect to something else. As we grow up, the connections seem less obvious, but just as important. If I meet and marry my spouse, the Bible says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, disconnect, and cleave to his wife, connect to something else. Everybody see that? I, I now have disconnected rightfully. I've become married. Now I connect with my wife. So they're subtle, less obvious, but just as important. In Genesis 1, verse 28, God told Adam, be fruitful, be productive. So I know it's God's will for everybody in this room, regardless of your age, to be fruitful, to be productive. Every single, I, I, I don't have to pray, does God want my little department to grow? Does God want my class or influence to grow? God says, be fruitful, be productive. That's a command. So it's God's desire that we be productive people. Whether it's human life, plant life, or animal life, God expects us to be productive. You remember Jesus came to a fig tree and didn't have any figs on it? After three years, it didn't have any figs on it. After three years, it's still in church counseling. I hope you're listening. Some of you are codependent. You're going to need somebody for the rest of your life. That's not healthy. That's not good. That's not biblical. So God says, I want you to be productive. Uh, so he says, be fruitful, be productive. John 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bring forth fruit. So why did God choose you? To bear fruit, to be productive. Jesus goes on to say, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So I don't have to pray about what I know God says I want for you. God's already in agreement. He said, I want you to be fruitful. Herein is my Father glorified you bear much fruit. Summit, God wants us to reproduce, multiply, bear a lot of fruit. If you run a department or a business, He wants it to multiply, to increase, to do well. That's all. If you get that in your head, it just changes the way you think. And as a man thinks in his, in his head, so is he. It's a fact. Now, in order to enhance that productivity, God told Adam, what does God do? He puts divine connections in your life and mine. For a fish to be productive, it got to be connected to the water. For a plant to be productive, it's got to be connected to the soil. And whatever, whenever we sever those connections, we limit 
or kill our productivity. So I want to suggest today your greatest productivity in life is going to come when you locate, recognize God-ordained connections and embrace them. How many of you know a man can't have a baby by himself? A woman can't have a baby by herself. If she gets pregnant, she had to connect to something or someone. And if we're going to bear fruit, as Jesus said, we got to be connected. So God connects you with people, and he connects you with a church family. It, it, it will attend the church of your choice. That sounds so pitiful. No, I want to be where God puts me. Where has he planted me? I want to be in the church of his choice for me. So God's got a lot of churches, and they're all, I'm assuming, proclaiming Jesus. Nice people. But you're not connected to all of them. There's lots of nice women, but I ain't connected to all of them. I'm connected to that one right there. A covenant connection. That's the same for a church. I was talking to a good, a, a good person, an old, older person. He said, well, I'm a member of three churches, Rick, including Summit. I said, he said, what, is that okay? I said, well, let me tell you what God says. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. I said, you think I got three wives? I don't think so. I got one. I can be friends with everybody, but I'm only connected to one. Does that make sense? I mean, this is, I don't think you, I mean, I, I believe you could be smoking dope and be, get that. I, I don't know if I need the Holy Spirit to give me that revelation. That looks to be about as obvious as anything. I think we just get goofy sometimes. So if I'm going to bear fruit, if I'm going to be fresh, if I'm going to be productive, if I'm going to be productive, I need to be connected where God has connected me and to the people he's connected me to. So David, David says when you're planted in the house of God, you're going to flourish, bring forth fruit. You'll be productive even in old age. So as the years advance, if you're connected properly, your productivity doesn't decrease, it increases. Verse 4, John 15, abide in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it stays connected to the vine, neither can you, Christian, unless you abide in me. That's all about connection. I am the vine, you are the branches, believer. He who stays connected abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. So if I'm going to bear much fruit, got to stay connected. I know. I'll see you Easter. And now I'll see some of you again Christmas. Really connect. Be like me telling my wife, we're going to have a happy marriage. Honey, I'll see you Easter. And I'll sleep with you on Christmas. I don't believe that thing's going very far to you. I don't think so. All right. I'm not looking at her right now, so I don't know. If anyone does not abide in me, if you don't stay connected, he says you're going to be cut down as a branch and withered. That's really interesting. If I stay within the framework of my divine connections, I'm going to be full of life. I'm going to blossom. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be fruitful. But if I am removed illegitimately from God-appointed connections, my life will wither and die. So get connected and stay connected. Some people attend church. Some people are connected to a church. In this room this morning and all over this city, there are people who are connected, but others just attend. 
There's someone near you who's connected, and there's someone near you who's just an attender. And you can't discover that by looking at their wardrobe, what they're wearing, what kind of makeup. You can't tell. There are some ways to discover the difference. For those who are connected here at Summit or any place else God's connected you, this service is not an option. It's a matter of life. Some people woke up today and said, I'm so tired. I was one of them. I don't think I'll go to church today. But my wife said, honey, you're the pastor. Oh. <laughs> I've been in Virginia preaching all week, and I'm tired. But I'm here. Why? I'm connected. I ain't going to miss. So what? My fe feelings, nothing more than fe Shut up, feelings. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do, my feelings. Yeah. Thank you. How many of you would do that in your employment, you know? You, you, your boss would say, friend, you're not connected here, so let's just complete the disconnection. You're fired. <laughs> so you go to work rain or shine, hot or cold, tired, happy or unhappy, whether you like your boss or not. You get out of that bed, you carry yourself to the office or place of employment because you're connected there. And because you're connected, nobody has to call you and say, remember to go to work tomorrow. Don't forget, be sure they be there by 8.30 tomorrow. Put a note on your bathroom mirror. Nobody does that except Christians <laughs> to church because you know you're connected. It's people who are not connected that we have to call and beg and remind and pump them up and feed them like little children just to show up for church. Yeah. Why didn't you come last week? We missed you. Oh, my brother-in-law came to visit. I didn't feel good. No one visited me. My wife forgot to wake me up. <laughs> That's why I'm military and why I'm probably not a good choice to be a minister. Because I want to tell you to your face what you need to hear. And it's not praise the Lord. Pow. Yeah. Bend over, pull those drawers down, you're going to get 40 lashes. Wham, wham, for being stupid. <laughs> Come on, you've heard all that, right? Come on, come on. Sure. So when you're connected, the thought of missing a service, unless you're on vacation or you're sick, doesn't even occur to you. I mean, if hell's burning all around you, you'll be there. It's not an option. You're connected. So some people chose Summit Christian Center as a place to come. Others chose to be connected or planted here. And they know they're not here because of the face of the pastor or because of how he says or what he says. No, no, no. You know there's something of a God-ordained connection here, and you know that there's nowhere else for you to go. God reveals that to each of his children. He has to show you that. And you quickly discover you don't have to watch over people who are connected. You don't have to spend a lot of energy on connected people. They help. They serve. They give. They encourage. They refresh others. They make life easier. They make everything better. And when I see them, I smile with joy in my heart because I know they've come ready to get in the game and they're part of the vision of this house. And at the core of every successful church on earth, there are connected people. You can't build a successful church on attenders. Attenders can up and leave when they want. Uh, you can pay 90 bucks and go to the AT&T Center for a concert, and if you don't like it, you can get up, walk out, and leave. 
I've done that before. All right? Why? I'm just attending. But the musicians can't walk off. The light and sound crews can't leave. The stage director can't leave. Why? They're connected. So the devil works overtime to prevent people from becoming connected because he understands the law of connection. He knows that whenever there's a connection that God makes, it's going to be fruitful. There's going to be productivity. There's going to be life, and he doesn't want that. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the devil knows firsthand the pain of being disconnected. He was disconnected as the covering cherub over God's throne. He rebelled against God in pride, said, I'm going to start my own church, and disconnected. And God yanked him out of his place and threw him out of heaven with a third of the angels. So the enemy knows very well what you lose when you're disconnected, so he will actively promote disconnection, so much so that uh, we think that the more detached you are in America, the more sophisticated you are. But detachment is not God's plan ever. Detached people become serial killers. They carry a gun, go to a school, shoot innocent children and people because they don't have anybody to strengthen them, to challenge them, or to hold them accountable. Um, You think about what we're taught by psychologists today. Did you notice the behavior? They're always alone in their room. They don't have any friends. Where was the Unabomber in a 10 by 10 cabin with no electricity or water in Washington State mailing bombs to people, right? The Unabomber. You met Ted Kaczynski. Uh, Some of these kids that lose their minds get some AK-47s or uh, AR-15s and go in and shoot up. They're loners. They don't have any friends. That's not good. Listen to Proverbs, the book of wisdom again. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all good judgment. So you see somebody won't connect, won't hook up. They don't want anybody, including God, to tell them what they should be doing to correct them. I need correction, and I need people to help keep me on course. I don't have to be watched over 27, but I don't think I'm smart enough or spiritual enough just to run the race by myself with nobody to speak into my life. And you aren't either. And that's the great deception by the enemy. But these people that are loners don't want anybody to ask questions. They don't want to be accountable to anybody. They just want to do life and church that way, disconnected. But life and church are to be experienced connected. Now, there's a couple of ways people disconnect. First, overtly. They just up and leave. No notice, whatever. Somebody said something they didn't like. Music too loud. Service too short. Service too long. Don't like the lights. Don't like the smoke. Rick made a statement I didn't like. Well, just hang on. I'm sure I'll make another one. I don't know. If you have to get up every week and do multiple services and yak, 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 yak and talk, you're bound to say something. You said, "Hmm, I probably shouldn't have said that. Right? You get up here and try it. I mean, let me tell you what you do. You don't get up. If you're connected, you don't get up and leave. You might walk up and say, Rick, hey, that was not good. You shouldn't say that. Or, Rick, I was offended that you said that. You know what I'll say? I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You're right. 
I'll try to be more careful about that next time. How about that? Nice, huh? But if people can get up and walk out and leave after a couple of years there, they were never connected in the first place. And that's how God works on those people like that, to, to uh, kind of uproot them. And then there's overt, uh, I said overtly, but how about subtly? They, just, they sit in the congregation, but they're disconnected. So it doesn't matter how anointed or relevant the service is or the music, doesn't touch them. The subtle disconnection is also when you choose to connect yourself to what God or your church family have opposed. Some people have been pointed out as non-repentant. They've engaged in malicious behavior, in illegal behavior, immoral behavior, and they've refused to correct it or repent. And you go and connect yourself to those people. Yeah, we'll go out for dinner. God said to Adam, you see that tree of knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat of it. In the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Did Adam go to God and tell him, shut up, I'm fed, fed up of you telling me what I can't do, trying to run my life. I'm disconnecting from you. Nope, he didn't say that. Adam simply attached himself to what God had forbidden. And by connecting himself to what God had forbidden, he detached himself from God, and now we're all paying the price, the whole human race. When a man marries a woman, he's connected to that woman. Oh, you better believe it. But if that man now goes and connects himself to another woman, by implication, he has disconnected himself from his wife, and usually she'll make it official with a divorce. Don't tamper with your God-ordained connections. When you do it, you abort destiny, you hinder your life. I watch it go on all the time. Uh, I've used this illustration, but when I, 30 years ago, when I went to Australia, there was somebody leading Hillsong music that wasn't Darlene Check, And that person got a, the urge to go on his own, and he was going to take the whole Hillsong worship with him, he thought, and be successful without Brian Houston. I told Brian, it'll never happen. If he does this and disconnects against all judgment, he will wither and die. You watch and see. And sure enough, he did it. And sure enough, nobody went with him. And sure enough, there was a little blonde girl who was a rock and roll entertainer married to a German guy who had gotten saved in that church. She was licking stamps in the youth department. Big, big job, right? And singing up in the choir. Just a singer. She was invited to lead the worship team because she's a faithful, dependable, connected person. And she wrote the song the Sunday I was there and sang it for the first time called Shout to the Lord. And the rest is history. And that poor sucker who pulled out out of his pride has been crying ever since. And you've never heard his name. And albums and favor and people blessed around the world and millions and millions of dollars. He could have been eating that. Instead, he's eating his own crow and ego while somebody else connected where he disconnected illegally. I've watched people leave churches of friends. I've watched people who thought they were better, and they might have been. Maybe they knew more. Maybe they were smarter, but God didn't choose them to be the leader. He chose them to be connected to a leader and to have big influence, but no, they wanted their own show, so they disconnected and became obsolete. They don't own anything. They have no net worth. They got no influence, nothing, but they get a private parking place. Pastor, dumb. It's dumb. 
I, I mean, don't let the enemy sabotage you, seduce you into breaking a divine connection. That's why you need people that will be able to speak to you and say, hold up, Jack. You know, everybody gets offended. Everybody gets their, if, if you respond in a company, a business, or a church, if you make your big mouth talk when you're full of anger, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. And you can't get the job back, maybe the marriage back, maybe the relationship back. You just cut your throat. And the enemy's over there in glee laughing. If I pull a flower out of the ground, it, it's not going to shrivel that moment, is it? No. Even though it's been disconnected, it looks green and fresh. But because nothing has changed immediately, it doesn't mean nothing has changed, does it? The moment the disconnection occurs, that thing starts to die. It may take days or months or a couple of years for you to see the full manifestation of that withering death, but it's coming. So there are people who wrongfully disconnect themselves from this place, and as a result, things start slowly to go downhill. There's confusion at work. The home is unsettled. Finances are difficult to balance, and they're wondering, what happened? See, you disconnected yourself from where or who God wanted you to be. Now, if God hadn't called you to be in a particular place and you leave, no problem. But if God planted you there and you tamper with that, you're on your own. You have severed a God-ordained connection. And I, I've watched people get offended. Uh, an usher moves somebody. Somebody failed to speak to them. And they leave and maybe go to another church thinking they're teaching the old church a lesson. But while they physically leave, they don't really leave. They keep phoning people in the old church. And they're not talking about the new church. They just want to talk about the old one. You see, it was a divine connection. And although they physically separated, they still haven't separated spiritually or in their mind. And so uh, they talk negative but they just can't stop talking about where they left. It's kind of funny. When you disconnect from God-ordained connections, you find your whole life will revolve around it. Sometimes attenders, not connectors, leave a church. And they expect people who are connected to that church to go with them. Hey, you're my friend. We came here together, so now I'm leaving. you got to come too. But the one who's connected will say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm connected here. I love you, I cherish our friendship, but my connection here is God-ordained and a lot more important than my friendship with you. Goodbye. I've seen that happen hundreds of times. I've discovered when you struggle to keep somebody on board in your department, on your team, in a business, in the church, it's probably they were never connected in the first place. Let them go. When the wind blows over a field, the first thing that goes is disconnected litter, disconnected leaves. The heavy trees can be bent and sway in the wind, but they won't be uprooted because they're planted and they're flourishing. People who are connected need very little effort to stay. After 20, 25 years, they're still here. Is it because they've never been offended, never been upset, always gotten what they wanted, always had their way? No, but they embrace the law of connection and they refuse to become disconnected. It's the same thing in marriage, right? I ain't going anywhere. That woman of mine is a God connection for 43 years. I know it. I don't think I knew that when I first got married, but I know it now. 
And no matter where I go in the world, I'm coming right back to her and right here to Summit. I've only been a member of three churches in my whole life. And the only time I ever left was because I moved geographically. And now I'm at Summit. And I'm in the, 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 the best years of my life. I will live here. I will die here. This is my place. I ain't looking for a better place or a, a, a more opportunity to climb a ladder. This is home for me. Whatever it, it, Don't waste a lot of time and energy over disconnected people. I think some Christians have a silly idea that when somebody leaves the church, they've got to spend six weeks in a forensic examination as to why they're leaving. No, you're leaving anyway. Why expand energy or expend energy and pour over something that's already detached? Focus on those who are connected and committed. But Rick, that sounds so cold. Didn't the shepherd leave the 99 sheep for the one lost sheep? He did. But may I remind you, the sheep he went after was a lost sheep, not an offended sheep, not a rebellious sheep. He didn't... He, he didn't up and leave the flock. He got lost. Offended people just dump garbage on you and they're gone anyway. When you're connected, you don't need constant attention. I was reminded with several friends this past week in Virginia Beach at a conference I spoke in of key leaders in Australia and South Africa and in Europe, London particularly, in, in England, about where God has given me a platform for 30 years. All of those opportunities came through three or four major connections. And I have never broken those connections. And I owe a great deal of my productivity to those connections. They put me in touch with people and countries and opportunities I could have never had on my own. And even though some of them, after 30 years of friendship, one went through a divorce, uh, others had some people leave, uh, I have never disconnected because God planted me there, and I'll be friends till we die, and, and loyal friends to them forever. In the same token, they had some staff or people around them when I'm connected, and we're friends because of their connection to my divine connection. But when, when they went goofy or when they went out to t pull people away and start another church, uh, naturally I got an invitation and naturally I said no. Why? I will never hurt the connection that God gave me for a nation till they die, ever. And I won't do anything without their okay or permission. And you were only my friend because you were friends with the man God connected me to. And when you left him and tried to hurt him, you hurt me. That's what, if you've done it under the one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. So if I'm, if you, you pick on my, my connections and my, my friends, God's put me in and you and I don't have any beef, we got a beef. You don't have to like who I like, but you can't be adversarial. You can't attack and try to hurt them. How, how unethical is that? And I've never seen any of these people ever prosper wherever they went, ever. You never hear their name. When you're connected, you don't need constant attention. You just get on with life. Let me close. Look at Ruth. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. She had suffered the loss of her husband and her two sons. She's in a foreign land with pagans, Moabites. She begs her two daughter-in-laws, who are Moabites, to return to their own country. She's too old to have any more sons for them to grow up and marry. She's at the end of her road. 
So she tells the two daughters-in-law, I release you. You can go. One of them kissed and then departed. The other one named Ruth said, I'm not leaving you. I'm connected to you. Here's what it says in Ruth 1, verse 16. But Ruth said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to turn back from following after you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Wow, you'll never hear a statement of pure loyalty in your life than right there. She recognized, good or bad, that was a divine connection with Ruth. Ruth was a Hebrew woman. I'm sorry, uh, Naomi was. Ruth was an in-law who was a Moabite. And because she wouldn't break that connection, she is introduced to Boaz, who because of her relationship with Naomi is her kinsman redeemer. He's a wealthy landowner. Uh-huh. And so she marries Boaz and becomes the great-grandmother of King David. And by virtue of that connection, she enters in Matthew the ancestry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a Moabite pagan Gentile is in the lineage of Jesus' birth all because of her connection to Naomi. Don't tamper with your God-ordained attachments. You can forfeit your future. And you single girls, dating girls, engaged girls, check the vehicle you're hooked up to. Can he get you where you want to go? What's his character? What's his opportunity for the future? It's not just trolling for a hot body. Swipe right. <laughs> if you hook up, with, I've heard people say, I married the wrong person. It's cost them years of joy, years of opportunity. And I've had them say, I never should have done that. Don't disconnect and don't connect to anything but you can be friends but don't connect or disconnect and while you're dating and engaged you get a choice you know you get to test drive this thing see I don't think so I don't think God's hooking me up here with the future if they don't share some a great deal of similarities with you in vision and values and whatever you're going to be a train wreck and then you're going to be crying and then open the door to counseling here we go again more counseling more counseling some people's whole Christian life is counseling. I mean, when are you going to get on with life? You know? If you're in a wrong, con, con, uh, a wrong connection, disconnect, baby. Disconnect. And if you broke a connection that's right, repent. Do your best to go back if it's possible, whether it's a church or a business or a relationship, and say, I screwed up, I'm sorry, I, it's my bad, and I have no one to blame but myself. And don't ask or expect anything back. God will still bless you. Now, you may not, you may not get your job back. You may not get the same quiet relationship back, but you'll get the favor of God back and an open heaven, and God will help bring other connections into your life to help you get on with it. But have the guts and the courage to repent and say, man, I messed up. I made a bad mistake. And that's where people really go wrong. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.